Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined from Columbia by Dave Matter, and we're here for another week discussing what the latest is in Mizzou athletics. Um, we're going to talk th- this week about the march um, that is going to be scheduled on Mizzou's campus on Wednesday, the athletes getting involved in this discussion that's going on in our country about um, racism and, and, and racial equality and all these topics that that these coaches are talking to their teams about. Um, Dave's got the latest on that. Also look at, hey, this timeline, Missouri is about to start football. Um, it's football season, um, going into a very pivotal week of practice. Where do things stand with Eli Drinkwitz? How's the campus dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and kind of the scene across college sports in general? We'll dive into all that this week on the I Am The Tigers podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors who we appreciate because they make this podcast possible. All right, Dave, a lot going on in Columbia this week. Um, where do you want to start here? What, <laughs> we've got, we've got uh, a March planned uh, for Wednesday, a huge week of Missouri football practice, and also the news of, of the latest news on the COVID pandemic as it relates to Columbia. We've seen the news that some bars have shut down. You've been writing stories about uh, news stories about certain, certain, certain businesses shutting down in Columbia because right now that relates to college football as well. Where should we begin? Oh, gosh. They all kind of connect at some point, but um, maybe just with the football aspect of it, Missouri's a couple weeks now into their camp. It's hard to really call it camp because they're, they're in class right now, so it's, it's not um, two-a-days or anything like that where they're all living in the dorms and doing nothing but football. You know, now they're practicing in the afternoons. Media is still, you know, not allowed to watch these practices. We, we visit with uh, Eli Drinkwitz and or some of his coaches and players every couple of days, kind of get their perspective on things. So it's hard to tell, you know, about injuries or depth chart moves or anything like that. But they did scrimmage on, on Sunday. Uh, they were supposed to scrimmage last Friday. We'll get into why they didn't. Or they were supposed to scrimmage Saturday, but they moved everything around a little bit after Friday's practice was canceled. Um, but, it, it, again, it's kind of hard to get a read on this team. I, I think they are what we thought they'd be. They've got some interesting mix of playmakers on offense. Still don't know much about the quarterback situation. Um, I think the defense is going to have to carry this team early and, and maybe all season if they, if they want to do anything this year that will be sort of memorable. Let's get into to what's going on on campus on Wednesday and, and, and why that, that previous practice you mentioned was canceled. You and I were talking before we started this podcast. And when you go back to 2015, when, when Missouri football team decided to put its weight behind a, a, a protest on, on campus, um, that really dealt with a, a conflict between school leadership and, and, and a group of students. And all that resulted from that podcast in terms of strictly the football sense. I mean, a lot resulted from it, from it in terms of the fallout. I mean, complete change in administration, national attention, all these, all these topics. But in terms of all that football was missed was one missed practice. And that was a huge national story. Um, this year we have a, a not a, as directly focused on Mizzou, um, you know, protest by the football team, but a demonstration by the football team, but a similar thing in that one practice is missed. And I think it's in part because of this, everything we're talking about in this country. Um, it, it's not, it's still a huge story, but it's not nearly as national as, as it was in 15 in part because we're seeing it on campuses across the country and we're right. kind of seeing a unified approach. The, what do you make of just the change? Um, we've, we've seen college students, college athletes really, stepping up their willingness to speak out on things 
doing so as a team where it's not one player, it's, it's, it's the group and they're, they're doing it with the support of their coaches. In this case, it's, it's, it's raising awareness to, you know, racial inequalities, you know, police who, who are overstepping their bounds in certain situations. Um, oftentimes when it comes to, to situations with African-Americans um, and it's really a player led movement, but it has full support of the coaches. Just what do you make of the change that we've seen in this environment since 2015? Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and I think when we look back at this now and, and even years from now, we might look at that 2015 Missouri team as a little bit more trendsetters than we probably gave them credit for at the time. But I think one, I think the college athletes are a little savvier. I think they're more engaged maybe in, in things going on not necessarily locally, but politically, nationally, um, and, and with other things that are going on on other campuses. Uh, so they just have a, they seem to be more tuned in. And then I think also coaches, and not just at Mizzou, but, but everywhere, have realized that, hey, these athletes are more empowered because of social media. They have um, more of a platform, and they're, they're not afraid to use it, and you better buy in, or you're going to get canceled pretty quickly. And it, it's, we're seeing older coaches, the ones that we would think would uh, you know, be more resistant to this, buy in and, and be with their coaches. And we're seeing coaches in, in markets and parts of the country where you wouldn't expect them to be as tolerant. I mean, we saw Mark Stoops at the University of Kentucky wear a Black Lives Matter shirt on a t-shirt on a march this summer. Um, we've seen Nick Saban be very supportive of his players. You know, as we record this on Monday, Alabama football players are prepared to march on their campus, similar to what the Mizzou athletes are going to do Wednesday night. Uh, I saw Lane Kiffin over the weekend at Old Miss, maybe the, the campus, the number one campus in this country that's had the most history of racial strife and historical incidents take place on that camp, campus, and he marched with his football players. Um, so I think everybody's just a little more awake to what's going on nationally, and that makes it probably easier for everyone to do. Um, and then also when it's a, when it's a nation, nationwide story, um, I think there's probably less scrutiny on the individual schools that do it. They're always going to be that part of the fan base or at least the audience that doesn't approve. And we're hearing that. We hear that all the time. Um, but I, I think uh, it's just more of a groundswell of, of, of support and confidence in what they're doing this time around. It seems like between Eli Drinkwitz and Conzo Martin, um, these coaches are are – not not just saying hey whatever the players want we 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 back they're actually engaging in conversations with their players about why this is important to them um, ways that they can be involved while also um, you know while also being cognizant of the message they're sending I mean we've we've heard we've heard these coaches talk about getting players registered to vote not how they vote just registered to vote for whoever they want and being active parts of the the national dialogue when it comes to, to those things. Um, you know, Conzo's got his guys watching, you know, historical, um, you know, PBS documentaries about, about some of the situations that led to some of these conversations we're having today. They're, they're reading a book um, as a team and talking about it. It just seems like the coaches are um, involved in these conversations and, and supportive of their athletes, but also simply not saying, hey, whatever you guys want. They're, they're trying to lead these right. conversations and in, in, in productive ways. And I think that Missouri's showing between, between drink and Conzo that they've got, they've got coaches who are, who are versatile and also care about their, their, their guys. And I imagine you're seeing that come across in some of the comments of, of the players. 
and it's for Drinkwitz especially for a guy who's not coached the game. Right. This is a uniquely challenging spot for him to be in, but it seems like to me that he's he is handling it as as well as a coach could. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And and he even has made the comment that his viewpoint on on all of this has evolved in the last five years. And I asked him to elaborate on that last week. And he said, well, part of it is, you know, he's a head coach now. And, um, you know, now the spotlight's on you. Now you're responsible for everybody in the program, not just the players, but the assistant coaches and everyone. And I think when you, um, when your audience is bigger, the people that you that work under you, I think it's impossible not to be a little more empathetic to just how everybody feels. And we kind of, Everyone, we all did this. When we described what happened last Friday, we all said they canceled practice. I think some people took that as, well, they just went home and hung out in their dorms or apartments and did nothing. No, they, the reason they canceled the practice wasn't to protest anything. It was to have a meeting in place of practice where they could really discuss some things and share some feelings. They went around the room and they were, they were very uh, buttoned up on what happened in that meeting. And that's, that's their right. And, and I respect them for that but they went around the room and shared stories and Drinkwood said they even cried. I mean, these were not just players, but coaches uh, talking about things that everything that's happening nationwide. And most recently in Wisconsin has kind of brought up from these players. And I imagine a lot of the African-American players and coaches, uh, his staff is very diverse and maybe diverse is not the right way to describe it. He's, seven of his 10 coaches are minorities. He's got a couple of middle Eastern coaches, Bush Hamden's one of them. I wrote about him in the summer comes from an incredibly different background than most college football coaches so he's kind of created this environment where those kind of conversations are more natural uh, a lot of tolerance there and, um, and I think it from talking to the players afterwards and I can't say enough about Nick Bolton and Larry Roundtree just the way that they uh, what they shared with us on zoom after that meeting the next day I, I was really impressed by just how um, just how they discussed things and just their perspective and viewpoint I think we're so quick to dismiss college athletes sometimes as guys that, that just don't really know how the real world works. Well, I was, I learned a lot just by listening to those guys. And I can only imagine what that, what that meeting was like. It was, they said about a three hour meeting and uh, they talked about some initiatives, things that they want to do in the community. They're not going to share that publicly. They might've talked about this March that's coming up on Wednesday. Kobe Whiteside, senior defensive tackle is, is one of the major organizers of this. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what, what they do. But, you know, it, they're saying all the right things right now. What, what specifically um, is Wednesday about? And they have, Missouri athletes have done something similar to this, kind of a, yeah. a peaceful march to the, to the columns. Um, I say peaceful as if people expect Missouri football team to like run through campus break and stuff. That's stupid. Yeah. Um, a demonstration um, w with each other to the columns. And, and, and this sounds similar to that. What, what specifically is the, is the purpose? What is the message? Um, from Kobe, who helped really take the lead in organizing this. Thing. Yeah, they, they, they put out a flyer, um, March for Mizzou, and they're inviting the Mizzou athletics families, how they're describing it, uh, to come and um, give awareness to social, racial injustices that are taking place. And this is, this is athletes across the spectrum, not just football players. In fact, two of the three organizers are from the track team, Kaysen Suggs um, and, and then Olivia Evans. And um, they're both from Mizzou's track and field team. There's two organizations on campus that are fairly new. Um, the Black Student Athlete Association, which Kaysen Suggs is the president of. And then there's, this one is brand new, female athlete minorities at Mizzou. Um, and, and I think Olivia's uh, involved there. And 
I, I think that's great. I mean, I, you know, we, we saw in 2015 where some of these athletes and, and mostly just minorities on campus, they felt like their voice wasn't being heard. And um, they've, they've learned to organize. I know they have the support of the athletic department. You know, Jim Sterk just not too long ago announced, um, and I, I don't know the, the acronym off the top of my head, but there's an organization of uh, department leaders across the athletics department. Um, I know Cornell Mann from the basketball staff is involved with it. Rick Haley from the football staff. Um, it's, it's staff members, coaches, organization to um, promote um, the right things for, for their minority athletes. And, and we saw what the SEC has done um, with their new organization that was kind of the brainchild of Conzo Martin. I don't think publicly he will acknowledge that, but we know that he was a, a big part of that. He's, he's one of Mizzou's reps along with uh, Mitchell Smith from the basketball team and, um, and, and Larry Roundtree from the football team. So a, a lot's being done. I, I think it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to make change until you organize. And that's what they're doing on Mizzou's campus. And I, I applaud them for it. Well, now we'll see what the action is. I mean, um, it's kind of like what you wrote about Jack Flaherty last week. You can talk and talk and talk, and you can wear all the T-shirts and the shoes and the Instagram, but, but what's the action? What's the next step? And that's, that's what we're going to see. Yeah, I think more of these athletes are starting to realize, you know, okay, what can they do within their community? Um, and, and that's why this discussion with college athletes is so unique because I think there are college athletes who will say, my experience at a college is this, but if I were not playing a sport, it might be completely different. And, you know, I think that can be the case in Mizzou sometimes where, you know, there's, there's almost at times two separate campuses. And, and if, if college athletes are, are starting to say, hey, we want to make this a more inclusive place across, across the country, you know, because that's the case at a lot of schools, yeah. then that would, be a, that would be a pretty remarkable thing. And, you know, we've seen what kind of power they have when they, when they put their voices together. So interested to see how this continues to play out for folks who don't understand it or have a negative reaction to it. Um, I would really encourage them to read into it. I mean, Dave's writing about it every day. You can find the interviews available from Kobe White. So some of these guys who are explaining why they're doing this. Um, and I would, I would really not, not assume what, what you think it's about, but actually listen to what it's about and uh, maybe try to understand before you disagree. I, I, I've said again and again, if the country was, could be a much better place if these conversations that are taking place in locker rooms and, and dressing rooms and whatever different facets of the sports world could be the ones, same ones we're having as a country because these are among players and coaches who care about each other. And, you know, they don't always have to have the same experiences to understand and appreciate someone else's. So I think we can take a page from some of these, some of these, some of these teams that are, that are having these talks across the country. Dave, we've also got to hit quickly here on, on the coronavirus update. Um, you've probably, um, you've written a lot of stories over the course of your career. I don't know that you've covered bars closing and uh, things being shut down before as part of the college football beat. However, that's kind of part of the, the scene right now. I mean, if college bars and, and certain venues on campus and, and, and not too far off campus, um, in downtown Columbia are having to bar their doors and not open for crowd limitations, um, then, then that raises the stakes for college football. We're seeing obviously an uptick of coronavirus cases um, in Columbia, which is all not that all surprising as, as campus gets back under, underway with classes. Um, but however, we've kind of seen the, at least the football team do a good job of, of kind of barring the door against the virus. What's the latest on how Columbia looks and, and how that could impact 
Mizzou football season? And what's the good news right now about how successful the team has done about not letting this be an issue yet? A big yeah, issue. It, of course, it's an the, issue. the news for Columbia and Boone County is not good. And the, the numbers right. have just skyrocketed since the, the um, since students came back to campus. As of last Friday, um, the positivity rate in Boone County, which obviously includes Columbia, is almost 45%. So 45% of people getting tested over, um, I think, a two-week, 14 days is, is nearly half, which is astronomically high. Like anything above five to 10 is considered really high. So Columbia is a hot spot right now, basically because of that. And there's a lot of implications beyond that. Um, you know, the, the Columbia Public Schools, where my kids go, where my wife works, they have to have virtual school if that percentage, uh, if, if certain percentages hit a certain threshold. Well, they hit that threshold a week ago and it, it, the numbers just continue to skyrocket. And it's impossible not to say that the university is a part of that because these students, the, the age group, just the demographics alone of where the cases are, um, it's so high in that 18 to 22 age range, year age. So um, it, it's been really high that the city announced some, some changes last Friday. Restaurants and bars have to stop serving alcohol at nine o'clock and they have to shut down and close no later than 10. Um, they, the, the health director said she considered shutting down bars altogether, but you know, they're sympathetic to the local economy and didn't want to do that. So they feel like this is sort of a stopgap to that. We'll see if it has any impact and what it does. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. I mean, they knew this was going to happen to some degree, but you still to see the numbers explode the way they have. As of Friday, there were 300 student active cases of, of COVID on campus of a campus of 30,000. That's, that's not to say that only 1% is positive. That's because not everybody's been tested. You know, the testing is right. not mandatory. Right. Um, so as of Friday, though, there are no hospitalizations. That's a good thing. There were four or five students, Moon Choi said, who have been isolated in the zoo facilities that are getting uh, cared for uh, and, until they clear of symptoms. Um, that's a pretty low number, and that's really good. But if this continues to spread, you know, it could get to the point where they just can't have any classes in person right now. They, I speak from experience because I, I think people know this. I'm teaching a freshman writing course, and the, 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 the things you have to do to have a class on campus with the masks, with social distancing, um, classrooms are really small. It's, they're doing everything they can, say that much, um, to, to try to salvage some classes on campus. We'll, we'll see you know, if, if that can last this semester. Assuming that, uh, I don't think there's any SEC school right now that's not having in-person classes. Are there? No, I don't think so, no. And it, nationwide, you know, Notre Dame, North Carolina, North Carolina State have moved virtual, but so far most schools are trying to, to do this to some capacity. Right. In North Carolina, Notre Dame, those schools that have moved all online, they're still interested. They're still going to have football. They, they have, they have made right. that. They've made that. So it would not be unprecedented, although I think that becomes a much stickier conversation for the SEC. And we've talked about that a lot. If you don't have students gathering on campus, can you have unpaid student athletes practicing? You, I guess you can, but there's going to be there's yeah. going to be a lot of questions asked about it. Um, kind of mentioning what you said in, in the situation in Columbia right now, I feel like we should also talk about this shortly. You know, we've said a lot, you and I, the virus doesn't care whether you're right. gathering for a good cause or a, or, or a silly cause or a fraternity party. Um, I would assume that whatever is taking place on campus Wednesday, the, the pro, the, not the, the, the demonstration um, with the student athletes, 
they're going to be socially trying to social distance and also stressing the use of masks, I would assume, considering you're going to put all, well, yeah. a lot of athletes from Mizzou in, in one area. Now you'll be outside, which is better than being inside. However, um, any sort of gathering with a lot of people is going to raise questions about how the virus is being managed against. Yeah, I would hope so. And, you know, I think, I think we'll see coaches out there with them because we've seen that at other schools. Um, coaches are out there. I, I saw a really powerful image from University of Tennessee when they were on that walkway, all their athletes. I think they did that maybe Saturday. And yeah. you couldn't find a face in the photo that didn't have a mask on. So that's, that's good to see. I mean, it's, if there's any way to get more criticism for what athletes are doing, is it to, is it to go out there without a mask on and just invite, you know, more – um, exposure, more trouble for you. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would hope so. And I, I think these athletes that are the ones who are organizing this, they're savvy and smart enough to what, how they're pulling this off and what they want to do. I, would, I think they care about, um, you know, making sure everybody's healthy and safe. Yeah, a lot going on, man, in a crazy time to, uh, to be covering it all. You're doing a great job. Um, you're, you're showing your, uh, your, uh, <laughs> all your different skills, covering a lot of different things at once, man, but keep up the good work and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to start doing these weekly as college football season gets closer. Um, thanks to our, thanks to our great sponsor. So we will, uh, we'll have these weekly early in the week for folks to catch up on what the latest is on college football. Eventually we're going to have to talk about what college basketball could look like yeah. um, during this, this time. And there's always something going on, um, on, on Dave's Mizzou beat. So Dave, thanks for your time, man. Um, have a good rest of your week and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you next week. All right. Sounds good. For folks who are new to the podcast, thank you for joining us. You can find all of our podcasts, stltoday.com slash podcast. Go to iTunes, wherever you get your uh, podcast, just punch in the Eye on the Tigers podcast. Give us, do us a favor, subscribe, um, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. If there's certain things you want to discuss, let us know there. For Dave, I'm Ben. We will talk to you next week.